Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful for your mercies to us. We'd ask that we would be faithful to the good gifts you've given. That we'd not treat you as a kept God. In your son's name, amen. Although when you, when you have James 2 at the top of the sermon notes, you all are familiar with the passage. The passage that ends up with uh, faith without works is dead. Often a discussion of its theological placement occurs. James, in the order part of chapter 2, is talking about how... Um, People show partiality. They show favoritism to the wealthy because we like to. That's sort of what I mentioned last week about the parable of how people in the parable of the sower, we actually feature churches based on showing favoritism to the wealthy, even though that is the weedy soil that chokes off fruit, or we show a favoritism towards the emotional, excited type of believer, even though that's the rocky soil that springs up with great joy and then fades in the midst of it. James goes after that. He's concerned about how Christians aren't showing the right response to the Christian liberty. He calls it the law of liberty. Now, we are of many churches I, I've ever been around uh, are uniquely driven to that law of liberty. Uh, we are all about grace and, and that God has set us free from bondage to the law, but not bondage to the law of liberty, or as he calls it, the royal law. Not a bondage to, we are, we're set free from keeping the law of Moses, but not set free from being like Christ. And James wants to remind us that being like Christ is something that should be happening if faith in Christ is something you are claiming. So he wants to say those two things must go together. Let me read here James 2, verse 14 and following. What does it profit, my brethren, if a man says he has faith but has not works? Can his faith save them? If a brother or sister is ill-clad and in lack of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what does it profit? So faith, by itself, if it has no works, is dead. Of course, James was not a popular book with Martin Luther. He called it the Epistle of Straw. He didn't... Uh, really have a strong opinion about it being kept in the canon. Because he was stressing faith alone, right? The, the, that was the, the watch cry of the Reformation. And when you stress faith alone, in reference to those who were trying to have sacramental observances and, and good works earn your way to heaven, you're picking up on a good thing. You are saved by grace through faith, not of works, we know that. That's central. But so is this, the teaching of James here, the Lord's brother. So is this. You don't want to stress faith 
in such a way that you don't look at what the faith accomplishes because if the faith saves you, you want to end up saved. Got that? If you're counting on faith to save you and faith alone, you need to end up saved. And ending up saved shows the evidence of your faith, right? If you didn't end up saved, someone walks the aisle, say we sing just as I am a few more times, and I have you come forward and a few of you straggle down, the fact that you walked the sawdust trail, you, you wept down front, you fell on your knees, you cried aloud, whatever you did, we'd all go, okay, in a few weeks we'll see. We'll see what, whether or not the faith saved them. Because if there is salvation and if faith saves you, the person who exercises the faith gets saved and so is changed. We are born again. We have died with Christ. We are raised with him. Consequently, faith by itself isn't the story. If it has no works, it's dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. And I, by my works, will show you my faith. A lot of people think that you can split up how you live and what you believe, and they do so repeatedly in the church today. Okay. There's this crisis of lifestyle that people are, oh, we're just, we're not, we're not perfect, we're just forgiven. Please be patient, God isn't finished with me yet. Eh. He died a horrible death to be finished with you. Where's your, what's your life? And if you think you can separate, if you think you can separate the saved existence, like the response to your faith, from the faith you had, you begin to see how ludicrous it is, like James said, if you think that the faith alone just selectively pulls out a slight, slight, just the saving benefit, just the benefit that relieves your sorry rear end from the bad place. Just that sort of thing. That, 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 that I was in danger of hell and I had just enough faith that God smiled just enough on me, just enough to assure my eternal security that I would not go to hell. But nothing could change me. Not enough grace to make me different. James seems to say, I by my works will show you my faith. Now, I am not here this morning to talk to you about the doctrinal elements of uh, the faith alone camp, the sola fide. That's what we hear sola fide. London knows because she studies Latin, but if the rest of you are not sola fide types, uh, that means only faith alone. And some people really, 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 really stress it to the point where there was a big debate uh, 30 years ago when the Ryrie Study Bible was taking out after the, which study Bible? I forget which one it was, maybe Roy or Mark remembers. But they were, actually had notes in there saying that considering Jesus as Lord was not necessary for salvation, it was a false edition of the gospel that your life would be changed. You know, that, that you know, hold it. People so desiring to protect faith alone to salvation 
that they didn't see that the salvation was a, was a changing thing. You, you weren't saved if you weren't saved, basically, is what James is saying. And if you weren't saved when you thought you believed, the faith you had was not unto salvation. It was dead faith. The faith you had wasn't in this. What I want you to think about this morning is, again, not the theology that's at stake. And you can come up with all sorts of theological questions that may arise. I want you to think about this equation. That faith without works is dead. So your work is of your faith. So you show your belief by what you do. Right? I mean, does that, does that follow? Is it a legitimate extension that if your faith will work its way out, what you worked out is evidence of what you believe? Really? If your life is a train wreck, but I really love Jesus. Not so much. But no, they really do. I've talked to them. They really do. They talk about Jesus all the time. I don't care. Jesus is more powerful than, you know, the average stupid person who says they believe it. It's like the guy who beats his wife and then tells her he loves her. She believes it. He loves me. Really honest. I'll go back to him. I'm not going to press charges. You show your faith, faith by your works. I, by my works, will show you my faith. I want you to think about that phrase of James. I, by my works, will show you my faith. You realize that's what you're demonstrating to the world when you're preaching the gospel to them. I, by my works, will show you my faith. Talks about wives leading their non-Christian husbands to the Lord when they see their behavior. They'll be one without a word. When they see the behavior of their wives, the gospel is always, if really believe, finds a credible life resulting. You believe God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. You know, all the stuff you believe, all the stuff that the catechism taught you, now, you, you say, this is a difficult church and we don't know what the catechism is. That's true. That was designed. Um, but you took your average evangelical statement of faith. I believe all those things. I really do. I, I do not think anything other than the fact that Jesus Christ is God. In other words, that's your propositional claim. So do you think that the faith that you're looking at, you really believe that Jesus Christ is Lord? Well, you know, so do the demons. They're not changed either. They just shudder. If your life is this struggle of sin after sin after sin, you might want to check. I know you already believe in Christianity. I mean, maybe you were raised that way. Maybe you can't imagine thinking that some other religion is true, Hinduism or Buddhism. But, so Christianity is your default 
I'm a Western American Protestant Christian. But even the demons believe that God is one. Even the demons believe that Jesus is Lord. Remember the demon, Philippi? The spirit of Python that was in that woman? Think of this passage. See if we can find it. Yeah, after that, it's after that, it's after that. After that. Ah, Philippi. While we're going to the place of prayer, this is Acts 16. We were met by a slave girl who had the spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by soothsaying. She followed Paul and us, crying, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. That's the demonic message. Anything wrong with it? No. Absolutely true. She knew from a demon what was true that you believe and when you declare it when you declare it that faith might not change you like it didn't change the slave girl. Had to cast out a demon before the slave girl got changed. Was not do you want to be shown, verse 20, you shallow man, that faith apart from works is barren? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered his son Isaac upon the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by works. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You want that result. You don't want to say, you know, I'm in the same camp with the demons. You know, my level of faith, my condition of faith is, it, is right up there with the demons. The demons have got pretty much everything worked out. They could do the catechism. Matter of fact, without even being asked, that slave girl was following the apostle along, going, these are servants of the Most High God, and they proclaim to you the way of salvation. You heard that from somebody, which go, they must be saved. They must be a Christian. Or demon possessed. One of the two. Looks like we got equal evidence for both, hard to tell. You say that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Now that's a hard passage in the theological world. People follow themselves, write big books. We're not writing a big book this morning. We're not talking about all of the things that Western Christianity has struggled with regarding works and faith. But we're accepting what the brother of our Lord said because we have faith in the brother of our Lord who said it, that he would know that the justification, our existence, had better see salvation. It's completed, right? Verse 22. Faith was completed by works. You can't run faith out alone. It can't be the kind of faith that is a propositional claim no matter how true and no matter how sincerely held or stated. 
If the salvation of God does not respond to it, and you are not completed in good works, it wasn't working faith. Not that it was faith, but that it wasn't. So, I think that I go back to that point. I, by my works, will show you my faith. Means that whatever you're living, demon possession, bad behavior, just general Christian sins, say you're not a, you know, overtly bad person, you're just an annoying, difficult wife, or you're a, what else could you possibly be, a rat bastard husband, those are also popular in Christian circles, real popular. Uh, what else could you be, just bitter about something? You've heard of bitterness, we're not for that. Um, you know, pick your sins. You know, the good Christian sins. The ones that you can show up here and nobody will know about. Check those. Is holiness what you have gone after? The holiness of what God has asked of you in his Holy Spirit. Is it something that when you don't achieve it, you repent to get into that place of forgiveness with God where you can attempt to achieve it. We are either in holiness or we're pursuing holiness. Not we're trying to learn it over many years. We're either in holiness or we're confessing our sins so that God will impute holiness to us. If you're not, you're going to complete what you believe. The end of your life, enjoy that. It's going to be the total. It's going to be the sum. And if real faith did not enter, if the grace of God did not change you enjoy how that turns out. It's, 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 you write your own fate, basically. If that is a, that's not oxymoronic. Writing your own fate. You, you are making a fate for you. You've seen people like this. You could say, chatted with your friends. Oh, they keep doing that. It's just going to be bad news. If they major in lesbian Eskimo studies at the University of Idaho for four years and then hope to get a six-figure job, it's not going to happen. Because really the les lesbian Eskimo industry is not a big one. No matter how interesting and how much of a pursuit after it, you say, well, really, you know, people said that about me, you know, I was a history major, what are you, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to become a pastor, why? Had to do something in college. Heck, I was a fine arts major before that. Now, we know that certain things you choose have certain effects, more than likely. And James is here to tell you that your life will be the nature of your faith. Now, some people, seeing that, <clears throat> very naturally, this is the danger of James's passage and why people throw theology uh, uh, discussions at you when they reach this, is because they know there are works righteousness people out there. People who see his, he's teaching about the poor here, you know, helping the poor. And it's real trendy now, you know, in emergent churches to be all about the poor. Right? Social justice, things of that nature. They're trying to get everybody involved and out there working for the, 
You know, because we've got to show the Christians, kind of like Republicans, you know. Republicans have got to prove they care about the Hispanic population. They don't want to lose their votes. And the Christians are running, we've got to show that we really actually care, so we've got to run around and put on special t-shirts and, and go rake up the yards of poor women who don't have, you know, husbands or something. Running around helping the poor won't do it. Because you cannot make the opposite claim that the faith will be created by the imitation of the good works. I don't know if it was last week or maybe the week before. Somewhere in a sermon recently, um, I think well, I think it was the Psalms, the one that we, we did, we were in the Psalms a few weeks ago, talking about the prayers of David and how David prayed because he believed. He didn't pray to gain belief. You're not trying to manufacture your faith by helping the poor, praying, reading your Bible, going to church. None of those things will make faith. We kind of do them hoping some of us, if you're sincere, you're trying to say, oh, I'm really looking for God. And, you know, if, maybe if I prayed some. Maybe if I read my Bible. No, there's nothing wrong with praying. There's nothing wrong with reading your Bible. There's nothing wrong with helping the poor. But it doesn't make faith. Faith makes those things. The person who believes that helps the poor because their heart is good, because their heart is nice. They pray because they believe in the living God and they know he answers prayer because they prayed unto salvation and they were given it. And so they know they can pray to this God faithfully. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the double-minded man, unstable in all his ways, how can he expect to receive anything from God? That's, matter of fact, that was earlier in James. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. You don't pray to get faith. You pray because you believe. You can pretend to pray to get faith. You can pretend to read your Bible. Like if I read it enough, I'll start to care. I, I may have mentioned this before. I knew a guy many years ago who, who was too philosophical. Um, and he could not work his way around to proving the absolute ontological necessity of the existence of the Christian faith. And what well, it existed, he knew that, but that it was true. But he wanted it to be true, so he decided he was going to go hang out with Christians until he was so absorbed into their culture, so narrowly adopting all their terminology, that by the time he was done, he would have brainwashed himself into believing. He didn't believe he wanted to be brainwashed into believing by his own hanging out with them enough. He may have hung out with you at some point. Hope you got a good example. I told him he was an idiot, that it wouldn't work, and lo and behold, it didn't. Church attendance won't do it, Bible reading won't do it, you add anything to the list. Anything that Christians do that are an answer to your faith. I, I used to go to church when I was little, Southern Baptist Church, Maryland, because my parents told me to. I got to that place where 
they didn't tell me to, and I started letting me make my own decision about what I did. So for a while I went because, you know, hey, what would they think of me if I didn't? Then I started to think of, well, maybe I have a bad, my throat's kind of feeling a little sore. Maybe I'll stay home this week. Got to the point where I had to, what I decided, what I wanted. I was a Christian. I wanted to be there. I suspected I didn't, but I did want to be there. I didn't want to not be with the saints. I wanted to be with you guys. I don't like you guys. You know, it's not like, you know, hey, boon companions, go to the same church. You know, some of you I do. I'm not saying who. It's probably David, and he's not here. Now, those things are caused. You begin to realize, you know, and C.S. Lewis talks about it. He didn't like church, and he didn't like hymns. Okay? But he found that God had him there in humility because of what it was doing in him. How much he enjoyed not being critical of the person next to him, but actually reveling in how distinct this gardener in his mud boots, standing with him in Anglican church next to him, doing whatever the church required. What a joy it was. Christ produces something in you. What has he produced in you? Faith ought to have produced something in you. We're not here. And there may be some people here who are pretenders. You know, not, not, not evil pretenders. Not the kind of pretenders I'm trying to fool these people into thinking I'm a Christian. But I'm trying to fool myself into thinking I'm a Christian. In this faith, something that one, I want you to go away with the sense whatever I'm living is what I believe. Honest. And if I'm not walking in the light, I'm not believing the light like I should be believing the light. Right? Because it's, it's a dead, a faith I'm living is some other kind of faith. We're not saying you don't have faith, you just don't have the faith that impresses God. What a person does who has faith, it's your, your life, apart from the, the mystical working of the Holy Spirit, which I can't tell the Holy Spirit what to do. We do not know, it says in John, uh, how the Spirit moves, and the Spirit's moving in you to produce the things of God if you have faith, and you have been saved, you have been regenerated, He's working in you. Let God do that good. You, as you look at it, have to de delineate it this way. You are, everyone is, shaped by what, they, by what they know to be true, what they think the world is made like. Uh, we always use gravity as a very good uh, guide to faith. Every single one. Have you ever met anybody who didn't believe in gravity? We used to joke about some people who could throw themselves at the ground and miss. You know, that, that they were that incompetent, that maladroit. All of us, we believe in it all the time. I, you can look at people who struggle on the, you know, whatever the gradation of IQ, you know, they are double, like a sing, double single digit level IQ, and they will still put one foot in front of another. They will still 
take a box that they're holding, however incompetently, and put it on a table. They won't put it on the wall. Because they believe. Faith never let, and gravity never lets you down. <laughs> yes, you can quote me. Evan Wilson said, faith and gravity will never let you down. He is so dumb. You're getting the joke now? Want to get it? What you know? When you're the age of some of these small children just learning to walk, they learn to put one foot in front of another and it's a controlled fall. And off they go walking, controlling gravity like they knew Sir Isaac Newton personally. They're shaped by what they know. What do you know? Look at your life, that's what you know. Faith is Hebrews 11.1, 1, right there on the left-hand side. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the men of old received divine approval. It says a little later in that chapter, without faith it is impossible to please God. For anyone who would draw near to God must first believe he exists, and he rewards those who seek him. You know the faith claims of the Christian religion. There is one God. Jesus Christ, his son, is God. He died for you on the cross. Atonement for sin was raised, ascended to glory, from which he will come again in power to grant you eternal life. You know what the Christians believe. You can read it on every Christian church's website and there's a statement of faith click. You go up there, statement of faith, click. A lot of Christian things will come down. But statements of faith are not the repository of faith. You are the repository of faith. And you are hoping for things. And you are assured of things. How? You say to yourself, I think, you know... Evan, much like his philosophical friend, thinks too much. In my tub, I do. And in my tub, I was meditating, I was reading God in the Dark a few a week or so ago by Lewis. And some great stuff. But one of, the, one of the things, he covers this in Miracles, it was also in one of the essays in God in the Dark. You don't know anything, actually, except the immediate present immediate present, the nanosecond of existence in which you currently are, except by faith or by inference. Okay? With me there? You don't know anything. You have no knowledge. Because other than the nanosecond of the present, you can't make any claims about anything in the present except by reference to inference or faith. But people do all the time, right? People do all the time. Now, when they do, and they come up with all sorts of ideas, which are wrong, now how is that possible? Well, because what is inference? Inference is reason. Inference is the, the validity, the validity of inference equals the validity of reason. 
It's how science works. It's how anything works that you just commonsensically lay down. You say, if A, then B. By rules that exist in the cosmos, like the universal law of non-contradiction, which is usually the one people can understand the best, because it says A cannot be non-A. You can't have your own contradiction exist in the statement. That's a rule of logic. Those inferences, without which, without reason, you can't know anything apart from the nanosecond of the present, which makes no claims about any storyline, narrative, or anything else. It's just, I am, and you're hanging on to the pulpit, you're hanging on to your immediate lust, you're hanging on to the chair you're in, you're going, dear heavens, what heavens? I can't even say, but dear heavens. I can't, I can't make a claim about anything. I just know I am, I feel. That's all you've got. Knowledge about anything requires that you infer and that you believe. What do I mean by that you believe? Well, the assurance of things hoped for, not that you don't have, conviction, assurance of things not seen, conviction of things not seen, comes from faith. <coughs> what is faith? You see right here on the left-hand side, <coughs> inference is reason, trusting the demands of logic followed. Faith is revelation, trusting a claim made. <coughs> Say you're listening to me, for instance, on a Sunday morning. And I make a claim. Faith without works is dead. You have to exercise one, some reasoning capabilities. She's going, okay, is it making sense? Is he making sense? Or am I just going to color on the back of the sermon notes this week? Or do I believe him? Not because you're trusting what? A claim made on the basis of what? I don't have, who am I? I'm an almost 60 year old chubby white guy with really not that interesting a past. No tattoos, yet. <laughs> and you and say, well, 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 should I have faith in heaven? Well, that's the question you have to answer then, right? Should I, should I trust him? Well, he said only what St. James said. Okay, great. Let's move it over to St. James. St. James. How many of you are thinking the word infirmary? At this point. Did you think it, Leslie, or did you just... Yeah, okay. Famous song. Um, do you trust St. James? He's the Lord's brother. Jesus, the Lord's brother. 2,000 years ago, he says on the page, you see that a man is justified by works, not by faith alone. Do you believe that? If you do, it's a claim made by James that you believe. And when you have faith, you have faith in someone's claim. It's a revelation. James, either the pastor revealed it to you, or the boss at work revealed it to you, or your parents revealed it to your son. 
the, the sun, does, the earth does not go around the sun, but the sun goes around the earth. See, it's setting right now. You, know, you can point the kid and say, Dad said that the sun goes around the earth. And the kid believes his dad. Because he's his dad. It's faith. It was wrong, but it was faith. Anytime you ha- you're trying to spread out what you know, okay, what you know, this idea of your life being the result of your faith, understand that everyone has a faith and everyone has an inference because it's the only way they can know anything about anything. And so consequently, they're going to sum up their claims of knowing and live their life that way. So what do some people do? I mean, existentialists, right? They become, oh, hey, just whatever's going on. My real feelings and my real present is all I have. I won't make any claims about truth objectively outside. Well, you're not like that. So simply, what is it you believe? Simply, who did you listen to? Go home, look at your bookshelf. How much stupid is on that? Because there are other people who come to your home and look on your bookshelf and go back to their wife in the car afterwards going, did you see how much stupid was on the bookshelf? Now, now you're going to go home and look because you say, God, that's the greatest way. Look at somebody's bookshelf. I don't have a bookshelf. Really stupid. Okay. I just have a phone. Such losers. What do you believe? Now, it's not... Here's something about belief. You don't get to have the results that the belief claims that you're going to have. Because you all think that the beliefs you have are going to open, you know, lay the path of gold to the golden city. You think by doing what you want, the way you want to do it, because you trust yourself, you big idiot, that it's going to make that wonderful utopia for you because that's what you promised you, right? The faith does not produce in you the promises the faith makes, but what the faith does. Because if it was poor inference, or if it was a poor choice of authorities, if I'm believing some whack job of a, you know, Arkansas Hill 8 pew-jumping whatever, or some liberal theologian because he has a clerical collar, if I believe somebody because he sounds like he uses big words, and that to me is reason, you've got poor inference and poor faith in in, uh, trusted sources, and then you're going to design a half-witted present. You're going to get the fate that the story actually writes. Now, I have right under here, you say, Evan, you're only two-thirds of the way down the page, and it's 25 after. You know the rules. Matthew, I'm going to be fast here. This is just on the page, because it's a wonderful passage. It occurs in Luke as well. Matthew 8, it's the story of the Roman centurion. He entered Capernaum. A centurion came forward to him, beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home in terrible distress. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion answered him, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. 
but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority with soldiers under me and I say to one go and he goes and to another come and he comes and to my slave do this and he does it. When Jesus heard him, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly, I say to you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and sit at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. Their men will weep and gnash their teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, be it done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. That's great faith. Because he, he knew how to trust someone whose claims were trustable. Commanding officers, people, he knew how to give command, take command. And he knew that Jesus Christ could, he said, just say the word. I believe that you, Jesus Christ, can just say the word. And I know Christians in the church today who look at some of the things Jesus says and go, I don't know about that. I don't know. Jesus really... He would get fired from CBS. The owners of CBS would fire Jesus Christ and NBC and ABC and Fox News. Even Fox News would fire Jesus Christ. They think they wouldn't, but he says stuff. The centurion's going, ah, I don't care, I don't care. I understand this. You are in charge. You just say the word. It will be done as you have believed. If I find the source of testimony, the source of revelation, if I find that all my inference and all my reality all my reason, all my reality, all my revelation is redounding to God's credit. The belief I have, the faith I have, is exactly what the doctor ordered. It's without doubting. It's like the centurion here. So you have to ask yourself, is really what I want in life is just really what I want in life? Is that really what you've tallied everything up to be? I, you know, really my goal in life is really whatever thing I want. Everything I want. That sounds like a kid, right? Christmas, you say, write a letter to Santa. Santa is a false religion. That, never mind. Santa, um, dear Santa, what do I want? And you go, oh, my kids would go to the Sears catalog. Sears toy catalog. The lists were ama amazing. They knew it wasn't Santa, but they would deliver the list to me. Somebody realized, ah, post-it notes, I can just go through and post-it note on the catalog. Is that what you want? Just what you want in life? You, your faith, remember, some of you have got religion as an add-on that you're trying to prove to yourself that somehow there really is a God that will take care of that after-death thing. And maybe some of my current guilt, because I'm currently kind of guilty for what I've done. So I hope I have enough belief. So I'll pray, and I'll 
go to church, and you even select the church because if it's a more serious, small, believing church with a steeple, ooh, that, yeah, he'll probably forgive me now. Kind of a really light, easygoing faith. Nothing's really going on because you are really in charge of your life. Something bigger than that is on deck. I, I, I scanned this morning. I was looking at God in the dock, and I, this passage jumped out at me because Lewis is talking about faith here. It's a wonderful statement of what we're facing, what, what it is, the bigger thing we're about. We're not about you and you getting what you want out of life because you're stupid. Okay. We're all stupid. Because if we all gave that choice to write our little request step, we'd have post-it notes all over the lusts of our flesh, post-it notes all over the lusts of our eyes, post-it notes all over our pride of life, because that's what we want. And it's a quote of prophet, one of our own, Al Geyer, and we want it now. Look at this. The object of faith is at once the ends endium. Ah, and so it begins. Lewis, using a Latin phrase, or the quote, the being of beings, the God of gods, basically, is at once the ends and of the philosopher, the awful mystery of paganism, the holy law given of the moralists, and Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified under Pontius Pilate and rose again on the third day. That's the object of faith. The greatest philosophical grasp in history. The being of beings. The great mystery of the pagans in their religion. The great morality of Moses. And the death of Christ on the cross and his resurrection. Thus we must admit that faith as we know it does not flow from philosophical argument alone. Nor from experience of the numinous alone nor from moral experience alone, nor from history alone, but from historical events which at once fulfill and transcend the moral category, which link themselves with the most numinous elements of paganism, and which, as it seems to us, demand as their presupposition the existence of a being who is more, but not less, than the God whom many reputable philosophers think they can establish. Our religion sits on your chest like a ton of bricks and says this, if I look at this, if I don't look at this as something I'm going to go do and try to be and add religion to my life and why is my faith not working? Oh, your faith is working all right. You've got a lazy faith. Take a look. Take a look at what history has said of Christ. And what that means, what he has taught in the Gospels of his morality, not yours, his. And how the claim of this Christ, that he is the being of beings, he is the God of gods, that you live in a world which you wished you could live in Hobbittownshire, whatever it's called, so you could have Sauron and Gandalf running around, and you actually live in a world where the God you worship has had servants just like that in the apostles and prophets. And going out that door is out into a world he made. And the numinousness of the pagans you have in greater degree. The morality, the history, the numinous, 
and the philosophy all demand this ton of bricks on your chest. That kind of faith. That answering that. And then, because it is true, the spirit who is that numinous agent comes in and grabs you and puts you to death and puts the new creature on you. That's what you have in Christ. You don't have this religion. You don't want to say, when he says, go, be it done for you as you have believed. Oops. That phrase, as you have believed, what was that? Did you believe what Lewis just said? Do you have an understanding of your faith? Do you know your world is bigger than what you have tidily put together for church? It's going to be done for you as you have believed. Your faith will work its way out. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful that you have stood down through the millennia making this universe pushing us back toward yourself through your son, your prophets, your apostles. We'd ask that we would bow the knee and set aside our faith in ourselves and what we want. And believe you and believe your son and those whom he sent. In your son's name we pray. Amen.